Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning for Every Day is Earth Day today. We're going to talk about how the weather's getting colder and we're going to be wanting to get things heated up again in the house, in the work, etc. And how prices and fuel and other things have gone way up. So we're going to learn some tips on how we can maybe save energy. And if you need help, maybe some programs that will be able to help you out. I have with me this morning from Minnesota Valley Action Council, Brianna Parr-Baker, who is the weatherization auditor and quality control inspector. And also with Minnesota Valley Action Council is Sheila Ost, the Energy Assistance Program Manager. Good morning. Good morning. Let's start with Brianna because you are the one that goes out and, and actually audits in homes, finding out where things could be made better to prevent leakage of energy. So let's talk about some things. What can people do? Because we know the prices are going up in pretty much everything and heating is another one of those. So let's start with some tips and things you tell people. Absolutely. So, um, you know, there are some big things and some little things that we can do in houses to help save energy. And I also I like to just think about saving energy is really just wasting less energy. And I think when we think about it that way, it's more incentive to just do some of those little things. So, you know, really any time that there is a place that we can we can find an opportunity to have less heat escape our house, that's going to be a good thing for everybody. So we're going to talk mostly about some of those little things we can do in the house. But I just quickly want to mention, if you have the opportunity to do any of those big things, things like add insulation to your home, or maybe it's time to replace your furnace or replace your refrigerator, something big like that. Those are really good opportunities to put in a a better, more high efficiency appliance. You know, I'm not telling everybody to go out and replace their furnace today. But when that time comes for you, that's a really great opportunity to take that chance to put in a high-efficiency piece of equipment. And if that happens for you, check with your gas or electric utility because oftentimes they have great rebates that can help help pay for some of those appliances. So if you have those big opportunities, take them. But today we're just going to talk about some of those little day-to-day things that we can do to save a few bucks here and there and lower your energy bills. So... The first thing that I want to mention as we think about it getting colder is to take advantage of the sun. I know we we don't have as much sun in the wintertime, but we can still capitalize on it when we do have it. If you have windows in your house that get sunlight during the day, feel free to open up those blinds, open up those shades, and let some of that heat into the house. On the flip side of that, close those blinds or shades at nighttime and help keep some of that heat inside of the house. While we're talking about windows and doors, I find this time of year, you know, these last few weeks, there have been some nice days. We've maybe had our windows open to sort of air things out. In the next couple weeks, when it's getting to be that time where we're not opening our windows anymore, I think it's a good idea to just take a lap around your whole house. Check every window and make sure that one of them didn't get just, you know, a little off a little bit so it's a little bit stuck open. Or maybe the last time you closed it, you forgot to latch it. Just to go around, take a lap around the house, check all those windows, just make sure they're getting sealed nice and tight for the winter time. And then, you know, we talked a little about if you have to change, you know, replace your furnace, make sure you're really considering a high efficiency furnace. But there are a lot of things we can do with our furnace 
even without replacing it, that can really help extend the life of our furnace and to help it work in the best way it can. And one of those really basic things is to keep an eye on your furnace filter. Make sure that furnace filter isn't getting too dirty. It's really important both for the overall functioning of your furnace and for the air quality inside of your house. Now, there are a lot of different types of filters and some of them last longer than others. But I think it's a really good idea to at least check your filter once every month. Sometimes they can go a little bit longer, but it's a good idea to just check it every month and keep an eye on it, especially if you have pets in your house. Those filters are going to get dirtier more often than maybe the filter says. You know, maybe it says it's a three-month filter, but if you have pets in your house, you might have to change it every two months. What I do and what I know a lot of people do is to just set a reminder on your cell phone. You know, if you use your cell phone, go into your calendar and set an appointment that says check furnace filter and have that appointment recur every month. That way you have that nice little reminder to just go down there, take a look at it. And that's just a really good habit to get into. Is there a difference in the types of filters? Is one more energy efficient than another or doesn't that really matter unless it's, it's being clean is the most important part? Being clean is a really, really important part. One thing that you run into with furnace filters is that, you know, they have the, usually it's a MERV rating. If you look at furnace filters in the store, that MERV rating is basically how big or how small of particles that will stop. The good thing, a higher MERV rating means it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch more particles and more smaller particles, which is a good thing for air quality, but it also restricts the flow of air through your furnace. So what I would suggest is talk with the person who does your, you know, if you have someone come out and do your, a tune-up on your furnace, talk with them about what they recommend for your particular furnace. Because we want that higher MERV rating, but for every furnace, there's a point where it's too tight, too much, and you're restricting the air too much. And that's going to vary based on your, your setup. So talk with the person who knows your furnace system best about what they would recommend for you. You mentioned tune-up. How important is getting a tune-up every year? Because I know we waited years and years, and then we're like, well, we should probably get one. So is that an important thing to do? Because it costs money, obviously. Yeah, it is a really important thing to do. Some In some situations, I would say every year, in some situations you maybe can get by with every two years or maybe even three years, especially if you have an older system and you've maybe had some issues with it. I'd for sure do that every year. If you've got a newer system and it's running well and you, you, know, you don't have many other complicating factors in your house, you can maybe go every two years. But like we mentioned with the furnace filters, if there's pets or anything else in the house that's putting a lot of stuff in your air and in your furnace, it's probably just a better idea to, to do it every year if you can. Now, you are an energy auditor. What is the most common thing you see that is the biggest waste of energy whenever you go out to a house? Yeah, I think one of the really cool things about Minnesota Valley Action Council that I think Sheila's going to talk more about is that we can actually do a lot of those big things in houses. So we can go in and add insulation or sometimes replace the furnace or replace the water heater. And some of those those things really make a difference. They can make a big difference. But we know that those those aren't necessarily things that everybody can just go out and pay for on their own. So, so if you have the opportunity to do those things, great. You know, we act, we're in Minnesota and it would surprise you so much how many houses that we go into that have just a couple inches of insulation in the attic. And that can make a really huge difference. But I would say one of the things that I run into a lot 
that can really make a big difference is just how we use our thermostat in the wintertime. One of the things I like to remind both myself and some of the people I talk to is that there are a lot of aspects of comfort that go beyond just the temperature of the air. So there are a lot of things that we can do to keep ourselves comfortable without necessarily bumping up that temperature on our thermostat. And I like people, I like to remind everybody to try those things first. You know, if there are some things we can do to stay comfortable, then we don't have to pay that extra money to bump up our thermostat. So that might be something like, you know, it might be putting on a sweater. I don't like to have to tell people to do that, but it might be something to think about. The other thing I like to have people just try, I think a lot of us say, you know, I keep my house at 68. And that's just what we do. We don't think anything about it. That's the temperature we keep our house at. And sometimes I like to have people experiment. Like try try putting it at 67 for a couple days and just see how it feels. And if you're uncomfortable and it's terrible, okay, that's fine. Bump it up to 68 again. But if it's if it's okay or if you don't even notice it, then then you can save a little bit of money by keeping your thermostat at 67 instead of 68. It's always a balance between those savings and the comfort. But I like to tell people to just just experiment with it a little bit because every degree that you can bump it down, you're going to save a little bit of energy for that. Now, you brought up programs to help people, some of the bigger things like putting in insulation or other things that maybe you, you think, well, I can't afford that. But I know Minnesota Valley Action Council is there to help people. So, Sheila, can you talk a little bit about some of those bigger programs that might help people with some of those bigger things that Brianna alluded to? Yes, so Brianna was talking about insulation and furnaces and doing those water heaters, some of those kind of things. And we have a couple of different programs that can help with those here at Minnesota Valley Action Council. So one of them is the energy assistance program. There's like a twofold step to that process. You can apply for that program to help you with your gas electric bills. And once you are eligible for that program, it opens the door to a couple of other programs. And one of those is ERR. So if you are on the energy assistance program through our agency and it gets to be the middle of winter and you wake up and your house is cold and your furnace has, you don't have heat, uh, we could repair or replace that. And so you need to call us first though. So if it happens on Saturday night, call us first. And then we have a mass communications is our on-call service. So they would then contact one of the staff at Minnesota Valley Action Council. That doesn't mean we're going to replace that furnace that over the weekend, but we will do our best. And, you know, right away Monday morning, that becomes our priority. And then we can either repair it or replace it, whatever the need is. The other program that you can get into with that energy assistance program is the weatherization. And that is caulking, weather stripping, and attic insulation. Sometimes people call and say, I want to weatherize my house and I want new windows. That's not going to be the program that you are going to tap into. We have a loan program that that does those kind of things so well now um, when you say that you'll help people out does it help pay for everything in some of these cases or part of the bill or or payments or how does that work out and how do you know if you qualify even so once you are eligible for the energy assistance program someone like brianna will come out to your home and do an audit of the home to identify what needs to be updated or replaced in your home. And then they kind of set that, how much things are going to be. But if you do weatherization or the um, furnace repair replacement, those are both grants. Those are free to you. Maybe also a little bit about energy assistance and how they won't maybe pay your entire oh. electric and gas okay. bill. So as far as the actual energy assistance program, we are going to pay a portion of that. So the grant is an income-based program 
and we're going to look at um, how many people are in the household, what your income is, and what it costs the energy, what your energy costs are. So, what does it cost for your electric and your gas? We're going to look at that total, and then we take a percentage of that. So, we are not going to pay for it all for the whole winter. Um, we don't pay it every month. You get one grant that would go directly to the gas and electric company, and if there's a need there and you have a bill there we'll take care of that bill otherwise it's there's a credit until until you need to use that so people need to really get in touch with you ahead of time to see if they qualify for these programs correct do they just call the office or how do they get referred to you they can do it our local number here is 507-345-6822 or they can go to our website at mnvac.org and get an application off of there Given the price of energy has gone up and, well, pretty much everything, are you anticipating a lot more need this coming up winter? Yes. You know, we are hearing things in the media, just like everyone else, that natural gas and LP and oil are all going up in cost, along with the um, electric. So we do anticipate a need. Our grants are anywhere from $200 to a maximum of $1,400. Well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't buy a new furnace, but you said those are taken care of on a depending on your qualifications a different pot of money that we're going to tap into this is just your energy bills we have another pot of money for the weatherization and another pot of money for the furnaces i wanted to go back and ask brianna a question about weatherization and i don't know if you recommend you didn't mention this but before i had new windows installed i used to take and put that plastic film over top and then you take your blow dryer and you'd make a nice tight seal is that recommended i always thought it was it helped because i didn't feel the draft from the window anymore yeah, yeah, it's certainly a good step. You know, if if you're not able to replace your windows yet and you're feeling some drafts, the, the plastic film can be an option. Also, sometimes if, you know, if it's a little loose, sometimes you can put a latch on there. Sometimes you can caulk that piece of glass into place if that's a little loose. There are a number of different things like that that you can do to, to sort of get you by until it's time for new windows. But the, the plastic film certainly can be an option if it works for you. Do, you. do you put it on the inside or the outside? Because I used to do it on the inside, but I have also seen stuff you can put on the outside. Does it matter? Yeah, I would say if it if the package says it can be installed from the outside, then then it probably can be. Generally, they're from the inside, and part of that is a moisture issue. So if, if you and if you do put plastic on either side and you haven't done it before, I would just keep an eye on it. If you are noticing some moisture between the plastic and the window, it may be a good idea to take that out just because we don't want any of that moisture trapped in there and causing any any moisture-related issues. Any other issues you can think of to help save on the energy costs or conserving energy? I, I have one other one. So Another great thing that you can do with your thermostat is to turn the temperature down a few degrees when you're not home or when you're sleeping. I know for a while there was some misinformation about that and people saying that it was actually harder on your furnace and your furnace had to work harder and actually use more money. But that's, it's not true. That it is true if you have a heat pump that it's better to maintain one consistent temperature. But for the vast majority of us who use a regular furnace or boiler, it is absolutely worthwhile for you to turn down that thermostat a few degrees if you're gone or at nighttime. How far can you go down? I mean, you might as well go stay above freezing, I'm sure. But I mean, can you go down to to 50 or something like that even? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're gone for a couple weeks, maybe something like 50 would be okay, depending on your setup. If if you can get to 50 degrees and don't have to worry about any pipes freezing or anything like that, that would be fine. You know, if you have a crawl space or some pipes that sometimes get a little kind of border on freezing, I maybe wouldn't go quite that low. Generally, what I recommend to people is if it's just for like the work day, you know, if it's from but when you go to work to when you come home, I usually say bump it down about five degrees. So if you keep it at 68, I'd maybe bump it down to 63 or 62. And part of that is just because it will take a little, it'll take some time to bump back up to your normal temperature. So, um, you know, the lower you go, the longer it's going to take to come back up to that temperature. So just for a sort of practicality's sake, I usually say about that five degrees. But you're not going to use a whole bunch of more energy to get it from that lower to the higher you're overall going to be saving? Yep, exactly. So some furnaces have two different settings. They've got a low setting and a high setting. So your furnace is just going to kick up to that high setting. If your furnace just has one setting, it's not actually going to work harder to get back up to the temperature. It's just going to run for longer. And that that actually is a good thing. Instead of cycling on and off and on and off, it's just going to run for a period of time. But it's not gonna it's not going to make any more wear and tear or anything on your furnace to do that. It's actually going to going to be a good thing for you. I've heard of thermostats that have zones that can heat certain areas. I don't know if that's like a big deal to install. So one day, well, I'm not using the basement, so it'll be six degrees cooler. Is that something you recommend? So using zone, so there are two major types of heating. There are some others, but two that we see a lot. One is a a forced air furnace. You know, this is what most of us have that blows air throughout our house. And there are also boilers that use radiators or baseboards or something like that. And instead of air blowing through your house, water or steam circulates through your house to keep it warm. Now boilers very often have zones and that is nice because you can control where that water's flowing. And if you have zones in a boiler system, absolutely great idea to take the spaces that you don't use very often and to turn those down a little bit more. You can put zones in furnaces, in forced air furnaces. It is difficult and expensive to retrofit a furnace system to do that. But if you have one already, and hopefully it was sized correctly to deal with that, that can be a great option. One thing to be thinking about and to just have some awareness of if you're going to try to retrofit and do zones in an existing system is generally those systems are sized and designed to work as one unit. So our furnace systems have some ducts that blow air into spaces, and they have some ducts that suck air back to the furnace to be reused. And we need to make sure that those are balanced. So anytime we're kind of messing with that or changing things, we just need to make sure that the system stays balanced and the furnace is getting that return and supplier that it needs. So, you know, if you're considering something like that, I would talk to an HVAC person and make sure that they think that it's not going to have any unintended consequences for your furnace or for your house. But I I would talk with a professional about anything like that. This is kind of a strange question, but I see a lot of times people on Facebook will ask this question. Maybe their furnace goes out or something goes out. They're like, who who do you who do you call? I mean, how do you know who to call when something breaks down or something? Obviously, if they're connected with you through the MVAC program, they would call you. But in general, I mean, did you just go to the yellow pages? What would you recommend? Sure. If you qualify for any of our programs, for our energy assistance program, we really, really recommend getting in contact with us and and getting your application in before you're in a crisis like that. 
because if you wait till you're in a crisis like that, it's going to take us some time to process. And then that just keeps you in that situation for longer. But if you can get that application in, even now, you can send it in today. And we have that done already. That lets us help you faster when we need to. We work with a lot of great contractors. We, we serve the nine counties around Mankato, and we've got contractors all over our territory, and we work with a lot of really great contractors. If you're not income qualified for one of our programs, what I would recommend is establishing a relationship with a contractor again before you're in that crisis. Like we were talking about before, have someone do that tune-up regularly. Establish that relationship before you're in that really stressful time. And that way you've got someone that you can trust and who knows your system and you can feel a little bit less stressed about that. Sheila, I want to ask you a question. Would you walk us through the process of what it takes to get involved with MVAC to get the assistance you need? I mean, what is the process? Is it online, in person? What are the steps? It can be any one of those things. So we have an office in the nine counties that we serve. So it's not just here in the Mankato. We serve the nine counties surrounding Region 9 here. So you can go to one of our offices and get an application. We have them in brochure racks on the outside of the building. So if you come after hours, you can return them. We have drop boxes. So once you return it, you can do it after hours. You can go online. It does show that it's fillable, but you need to print it off and still sign it. Or you can call us and we'll mail one out to you. So that's how you get it. And then, like I said, if you want to return it, you can email it back to us. You can fax it back to us. You can drop it off. You can mail it back to us. So, we, you know, COVID taught us a lot of different things. Some were good and some were bad. One of them is that we became much more flexible in how we received applications. So if worse comes to worse and you need it, you can take a picture of it and email it to us. Right now, we're getting a lot of applications in the mail because last year we served 7,000 families. And if you were on the program last year, the application came out to you in the mail automatically within the last two weeks. So we're getting a big, a lot of mail coming in right now. So we also send out a letter to say thanks we've received it but you just need to be patient with us it, it's going to take a bit the other thing that is happening is that we are waiting for the federal government to release the money to us and so we don't have the money we're working on files we're getting them eligible but we don't have any money and once it comes is released then it goes to the state of minnesota and then it comes to us so everybody has to take a little piece of that and it could be as as long as Thanksgiving before we get money. So if you are struggling with your bill, we encourage you to call your energy vendors. It's scary. You don't want to admit that you can't pay your bill, but that's the best way. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the cold weather rule. And that runs October 1st through April 30th. And people, the misconception is, is that the electric and gas companies can't shut you off because of the cold weather rule, but they can. So what you need to do is if you are behind, you need to call them and set up some kind of an arrangement, but you need to keep that arrangement. So if you say you're going to pay them $50 a month, you need to pay them $50 a month or they can still shut you off. Just communicate, tell them the situation. But we also do some advocating on households' behalf. If, if there's anything that we can do on their behalf, we try to do that too. So once we determine that you have eligibility, we pay it out within the next two to th- within that day. And then it takes about two days before it gets to the gas and electric company. So once we get the application done, it doesn't take as long. It's just waiting for that money to come and getting to getting to your number. I'm glad you said that because I did not realize that with the cold weather rule, I thought that they couldn't cut you off, but they can. Okay. They can. 
Okay, so you just they just need to know that you're struggling and that you have to work out something with them. And like yep. you said, the communication process, don't just ignore it, in other words. Yep. What happens if they need some? You said the money isn't going to be there till November. What What happens then? I mean, are some people going to be out of luck? or? Well, call your energy vendors. And most of the energy vendors that we work with, whether it's the cities or Excel or CenterPoint, they can they can see into our system. They can see that your application is here. They can't see your private information or anything, but they can see so that you have an application in our office and you they can see, yes, that it's eligible or it's complete. So we, we work pretty closely with the energy vendors in our area. Is there a website that people can go to to learn more about conserving energy? Maybe, Brianna, something you recommend for people? Sure. So there are a number of different resources, too, that, that I trust a lot and reference quite a bit, and a lot of our materials come from. One is, it's, it's called CERTS, so it's Clean Energy Resource Teams, and they're actually associated with the University of Minnesota Extension and a few other agencies, and they put out some really great educational resources. The other one is the Citizens Utility Board, CUB, and they do a lot of great things. They have some great education resources. And another cool thing they do is they'll, they do bill clinics. So you can take your energy bill and you can bring it to them and they'll help you understand it. So I know sometimes those gas or electric bills can be a little confusing and they can really help you understand what all the different parts of them are and answer any questions. So those are two that I would recommend, certs and CUB. Sheila, where do people go to find you? Is it just MVAC? mnbac.org. Okay. Minnesota Valley Action Council. All right. Well, I want to thank you both. We've been talking with Sheila Ose, who is the Minnesota Valley Action Council Energy Assistance Program Manager, as well as Brianna Parr-Baker, who is the Weatherization Auditor and Quality Control Inspector. Thank you for your time. I appreciate both of you being on the show with us. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.